Welcome, my friends, to the Moon Jockeys Podcast. <laughs> An in-depth discussion of Star Wars themes, characters, and storylines. Now, here are your hosts, Katie and Brian. Welcome to another episode of Moon Jockeys Podcast. My name is Brian, one of your hosts. I'm so glad to be joined by my co-host. How are you doing tonight, Katie? Hi, Brian. I'm doing great. I'm really excited to wrap up our last Jedi talk. You know, of course, this movie has inspired so much conversation, and I'm just ready to jump on into it. Um, gosh, you've seen it three times now, right? I have. I saw it a third time this week, so that was That's good. right. You were telling me about how um, you were able to just go to a like a ten o'clock showing at night, like the very last showing of the day, and uh, and you had the whole theater to yourself. And uh, I mean, I hope you don't mind me saying so. You, you told me that you like took notes and stuff. That's well, so great. <laughs> I had my phone out the entire time because I was in the theater by myself, so I was nice. just able to take notes as it came. Um, I nice. thought about live tweeting for a minute, but then I was like, I'd rather just take notes and be focused on the movie than live tweeting. So, Oh, I feel that. Yeah, I've certainly uh, live tweeted this film like several times. I'm not even shy about it. I, I've yet to be in a theater all by myself, but I am sure to sit in the back, you know, so that hopefully my, my tapping, you know, my tweeting and all that won't um, annoy anybody. You know, just uh, your casual reminder for moon jackie's podcast to be courteous to other <laughs> patrons inside the theater exactly but you know? if you're the only patron then you <laughs> exactly, don't exactly. have to worry about anything exactly exactly right so um so yeah i've definitely live tweeted but i've noticed that when i do that um you know of course I, i'm looking at my phone for a part of the movie and i miss things but then again like i've seen this movie enough times that i i feel like i, I still know what's going on like i don't need to be completely staring at the screen the whole time i can afford to tweet a little bit how many times have you seen it now i've seen it 12 times oh my goodness that's a lot yes <laughs> it's it's just i have so much fun with this movie i enjoy the time that i spend with it because it it's not a contest i i mean when i say yeah i've seen it 12 times i hope it doesn't come across like a braggy thing like you, you know no not, it's, not at all yeah, exactly. It's not a contest and it doesn't mean that, you know, I, I love it more than anybody else. Um, you don't have to spend money. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of that way of thinking that you don't have to spend money on your fandom to prove how much you love it. Um, but just the simple fact is that I, I do have the free time and the ability to go and see this movie. And I just have so much fun in that theater that why not? I just I just keep going back because I just love this movie so much i love watching it i love spending time with it so See, 12 times brian 12 that's seriously impressive um mm -hmm. you had a pretty spectacular day recently that i hope right? you can tell me a little bit about right i was so excited to tell you about my perfect day so here's what this day was uh this day started with me getting up bright and early and i went and got myself a big old breakfast because i knew that this was going to be like, you know, a Star Wars marathon day. So, you know, I need, I need fuel, right. For my exactly. endeavor, <laughs> got a 
big breakfast with pancakes, eggs, steak. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make you hungry just talking about this huge breakfast. So which restaurant was your restaurant of choice? Uh, I just went to a local diner, obviously, oh, okay. you know, honestly. Yeah. So, um, you know, very comfy, very cozy, eating, you know, tons of food. And, uh, and then I went on down to the movie theater and I saw The Last Jedi three times in a row. Of course, paid for all of those viewings. Don't be one of those people that just sits in the theater and, you know, tries to see double features without paying for them. No, don't do that. No, no. <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, what were you going to say? Nothing. Oh, and then The Perfect Day continued where after two of my viewings, I walked across the street and got um, some dinner. And it was just, it was so nice. Like after, you know, seeing The Last Jedi like twice in a row, uh, just being able to go outside and stretch my legs, you know, of course, tweet some more about this movie and then head on back to the theater and just do one last viewing of The Last Jedi to cap off the day. It was, it was perfect, Brian. It, so that's like six uh, hours straight of mm -hmm. The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was, it was really cool. And because uh, this is one of the theaters that lets you reserve your seats, um, I, I stayed in the same seat the entire day. <laughs> did you have anybody sit next to you or did you have extra elbow room? Um, I, I had a people near me, um, the, uh, for some of the showings, I think I was by myself for the, for the very first showing, like in the morning. Uh-huh. But uh, but for the later showings, yeah, no, I definitely had people around me. Star Wars, uh, The Last Jedi is still really popular where I am, uh, at least, you know, during the day when people are awake, of course, and want to go see movies. I've yet to be to a showing where I'm the only one in there. It's this movie is still routinely selling out. And I think that's just great. That's you know, for all the controversy that this movie stirred up when it first came out, people, you know, weren't sure if they liked it. They weren't sure what to make of it. It, This is at least a film that people are coming back to, yeah. you know, e even though it doesn't have that immediate reaction of, oh, my gosh, I love this unquestionably. It is a movie that draws you back in for that second, third, fourth, twelfth viewing. So that you can, yeah, it's so that you can figure it out and see how it sits with you. It, it It's an intriguing film. So I... I love that people are coming back to it again and again. It it just it fills me with so much hope that this movie will only be looked upon more and more fondly as uh, as you know time goes on and we get further away from it and we see how it fits in the larger context of Star Wars. I I so strongly feel that this movie will be beloved. It will be held in the same regard as The Empire Strikes Back. People will look back and be like, "Wow, you know that movie where Luke Skywalker died? That really was the perfect movie." Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great movie and it it still chugs tugs on the heartstrings when I saw it this week. Like mm -hmm. and I'm still baffled by why the storyline with Paige is so powerful to me. Like I don't think I've ever been impacted by a minor character the way that her heroic moment um just really hits me uh when I yeah. see it. And it's absolutely a powerful moment. She is able to do a lot and really establish herself as a, you know, as you would say, a force of destiny in just a few minutes of screen time. That really does make her a strong character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you had a fantastic poll impromptu today. Oh, right. I sure did. <laughs> Yeah, over at our Moon Jockeys podcast uh, Twitter at Moon Jockeys Pod, I went ahead and posted a really quick impromptu poll uh, just for our surprise bonus episode. 
this this uh, this tweet literally read surprise. <laughs> so in honor of our surprise bonus uh, podcast, um, what was the most surprising moment of the Last Jedi? And uh, I, I feel pretty good about the options I listed here. I listed uh, Leia flying through space, a certain Force ghost, Snoke's demise, and Luke's last stand. And with 64% of the votes, the winning vote was for Snoke's demise. You know, I, I'm honored that you mm -hmm. definitely put in a, that certain little Force ghost that we <laughs> love so much. But That was surprising. You know, not knowing any spoilers going in, I was very surprised. I mean, that is something I could have predicted. You know, when we were sitting around talking about our wants for The Last Jedi and what would be cool to see, um, Force Ghost was definitely up there. And I thought Yoda was the most likely but still, like, as soon as we just see the back of his head, I was like, oh, my gosh, they actually did it. Like, I was still just so pleasantly surprised that they actually went there and brought in a force but ghost. Like, yeah. But nobody voted for that one. I know. No one else was No one was surprised. I, I didn't even vote for that one. <laughs> no? Which one did you vote for? Uh, Smoke's Demise. Or not Smoke. Snoke's Demise. Oops. Well, he um, got smoked in this one. Hey, hey yo. <laughs> Hello. But <-a> <laughs> like we were talking about yesterday, mm -hmm. uh, just mm -hmm. killing off the big quote unquote big bad to yeah. raise the stakes for Kylo Ren uh, in, in this uh, trilogy mm -hmm. is a major step for his character development. And so, like, I was surprised that they did that. Um, I was very pleased, but surprised. Yeah. And um, they did it in a perfect way that was to catch you off guard a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, every single one of these caught me off guard and by surprise. It's like Luke Skywalker said, this is not going to go the way you think. I, I could not have predicted walking into this movie that Snoke would die. And, and I did not, I, I didn't call at all all that Luke wasn't really there at the end of the movie. Like all the hints were there, but I was, <laughs> Like I said, when I saw that it was the Skywalker saber, I was just ready to be mad. Like I wasn't even trying to, you know, I wasn't trying to put the pieces together and figure out, oh, he's not really there. I was just upset. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, every single one of these ones surprised me. But the one I voted for was Leia flying through space because I that was the one where I literally said out loud, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, like in the theater opening night, I'm just sitting there like. I couldn't my jaw hit the floor just her flying through space it was crazy man uh just hit me in the feels <laughs> yeah it, it's a it's a great moment um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's kind of, it, that big moment that we've been waiting for where Leia gets to use the force so yeah like, it was very fulfilling well, I think I think I voted for that one over Snoke's demise because Snoke's demise did have a bit of build up to it. Like, you know, him like having this whole big speech about how he can't be betrayed. And I'm just sitting there going, do it, Kylo, do it, do it. And then he actually does. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, I was surprised, but I wasn't like like really caught off guard kind of the way I was with Leia flying through space because, you know, we just see her floating there and I didn't know what was going to happen at all. I had no clue. I, and then just to see her open her eyes, you know, the way she does and her, that her theme starts playing, the whole thing hit me as so right, and, but just so unexpected. Like, It's kind of yeah. cool the way they filmed her getting sucked out in a space where it's almost like her, her spidey sense started tingling just before uh, the, 
the bridge was uh, attacked, where she mm-hmm. prepared to be sucked out, where she felt like it was coming. And so she kind of positioned herself to brace for impact kind of deal. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, she could feel it in the force uh, that something was coming. It, maybe she didn't know exactly what was coming, mm-hmm. but I do think she was just kind of really alert and really in tune with that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the last Jedi with some hopefully new ideas. Um, <laughs> I, as I said, I took notes uh, during my screening and, there were a couple topics that I just really wanted to get a little bit deeper into. Sure. Uh, the first one is is Paige. Um, the thing that I have come to realize is uh, I don't think Ryan Johnson did something that surprised me. I thought that Paige was going to be the motivation for Rose where Paige's death mm-hmm. was going to be what spurs Rose on to what she does in this movie. Um, so I thought that Paige was going to be a trope uh, as a motivation for um, for Rose. Mm-hmm. But that is totally not what Ryan did. Uh, yeah, I Rose feel that she's... Rose has her own motivations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where... she's her own character. She's not a plot device. She's her own character, which is such a difference. That's all the difference in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, like, Rose's death is what positions... Or Paige's death is what positioned Rose um, just to meet Finn. Mm-hmm. It, it, her crying is just... Puts her in the right position to meet Finn. Um, and that's all it does, is just she's in the right position to have an encounter with someone else and that their relationship and what their adventure is, is totally separate than what Paige does. But what Paige does do is she's also the personification of what Rose says at the end of the movie where Paige is saving what she loves. Like when she makes the sacrifice, she holds the space jewelry that she and Rose have the necklace and Mm -hmm. she you can tell that she's kind of doing what she's doing uh, for the ones that she loves um and you you, she doesn't say it verbally but you see it like visually yeah it's in her actions oh certainly um i think that that is very smart because kind of um you know poe's whole uh, plan there where they're gonna bring in the bombs you know that uh, he post succeeded that mission succeeded when he was covering their retreat where it all started to go wrong was when it became an attack, you know, when he was fighting what he hates instead of saving what he loves. Mm -hmm. Do you know how I mean? And then when, when the, the dreadnought turns to fire on, on the main cruiser, you know, where Rose is, of course, um, I think, I think you're right. Paige is fighting not to to drop the bombs and, and kill a bunch of people. She's doing it to save her sister. And she's thinking of her sister because if she doesn't do what she needs to do, then her sister's going to die. Yeah. You know? And, and so, it's just, mm-hmm. She's a minor mm-hmm. character, but she has such a heroic moment that just... Oh, absolutely. It, it's amazing. And I, I feel like it totally should be in a kid's cartoon that little girls should watch all, mm-hmm. all the time. Oh, I mean, definitely. I think we are going to see. 
But oh yeah, well I think we are going to see more from Paige. Um, you know, even though uh, of course you know Paige dies in the Last Jedi, but just kind of the same way Jin dies in Rogue One, we're not done with her character, and we have seen more from her. I I feel like Paige is the same way. We're going to get more um, expended material on her relationship with Rose and just who she is as a character. I, I think. Uh, Paige is exactly the kind of strong, uh, amazing, deep character that will be well served by extended material. Right. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about (laughs) Captain Kennedy, so long as we're like (laughs) talking about the beginning of the movie and, you know, Paige and the dreadnought and all that. Like, I can't not think about Captain Kennedy, the. Is he the smartest (laughs) uh, First Order (laughs) officer we've ever seen? I mean. I guess so. I don't know. Well, Tarkin was pretty sharp, <laughs> but I guess oh, I guess you're talking that that's a Empire, not a not Imperial, not a First Order officers. Tomato, tomato, but, it's uh, all the same. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But yes, yeah, so Captain Kennedy, of course, being the guy that goes uh, five bloody minutes ago. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why he just delights me so much. <laughs> He's such a fun character. Like it just every everything he says is just like you can tell he really believes it. Like he's he's in it to win it. Just the way he turns it, he goes, Fire on the base. <laughs> I need Fire that. Fire on that bomber. Bring down that last bomber. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sorry, like I need that as my ringtone, basically. I just need oh, somebody's calling me. Fire on the base. Like <laughs> And then he has that look when the bombs are released, he's just like Oh, oh gosh. Yeah, no, well, just like he, he just has this look on his face like he's thinking, I knew as soon as I woke up this morning, I knew this was exactly the kind of day I was going to have. Like, you know, you can just, he just knew this is exactly where his day was going to go. You know, like he woke up, he tried to pour himself some coffee, but, you know, it was cold. Like, <laughs> He tried to put on his boots, but he, you know, he put the boots on the wrong foot. He had to take them off, put them back on again. Like it was just not a good day for Captain Kennedy. But he went out like a pro, I think. Yeah, he did, and he definitely uh, gave us a great character. He, oh, he certainly did. I don't. I I hope we see more of him in in like uh, you know how like the Rebels cartoon shows us, you know, Tarkin and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I hope that if we have material that takes place before the Last Jedi, um, I I hope Captain Kennedy is is involved. We can. We only have more to gain by adding Captain Kennedy to. He's he's a great character. He's he's definitely fun. Ah. <laughs> uh. Do you want to talk about Hux? Oh, I would love to talk about Hux. Um, he just, yeah, he's another just one of those Imperial characters that just it delights me. Everything he says and everything he does, I'm, I'm like, wow, that makes so much sense for your character. And it's so weirdly fun. Like, how did Hux become the funniest character in this movie? I have, when did that happen? <laughs> I think that, uh, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oscar Isaac did amazing things with Poe even in The Mm -hmm. Force Awakens with Kylo Mm -hmm. Ren where he's like, so who talks first? Do you talk first or do I talk first? (laughs) I can't hear you through that apparatus. And like he he had the sass even then um, and Mm -hmm. it worked really well. Mm -hmm. So he was just going to basically take the piss out of anybody that he has to have verbal sparring with. You know what I mean? 
Oh yeah, precisely. Well, just I remember watching Force Awakens, and you know, and and Hux has his big speech, and they fire off Star Killer Base and blow up three planets. Who would have thought that that guy, the guy like just basically throwing a tantrum in front of the entire First Order, who would have thought that that guy would have just become so funny in the next movie? Like, oh, gosh, I don't know. Hux just delights me. I believe I think he's, he's fooling you, sir. He's just tooling with you, sir. <laughs> and the look on his face when, uh, I know when that. Liza... Yeah, when when Liza Aaron uh, turns to him and is like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Supreme Leader is making contact. You know, he's got a message for you. And the look on Hux's face, he's like, oh, good. I'll uh, I'll take it to my chamber, <laughs> where he just knows he's boned. Yeah, he's just completely done for. Oh my gosh, yeah, that uh, that actress. Um, she's also in Game of Thrones, and every time I see her, I can't help but think of her as as Liza Tully from Game of Thrones. She's the because uh, that's who that is. Sister mm-hmm. of uh, Lady Star. Lady Catelyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lady Catelyn. I guess her name is Liza Aaron, right? That's her married name, but then her maiden name was. I don't know why I'm going off about Game of Thrones. Just be, <laughs> just because I don't know. It made me so happy to just see a Game of Thrones character walking around Star Wars. Well, there's been several. Like, <laughs> I mean, one of. Oh the, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. McAllister? No, not McAllister's. Um, what's Daenerys's house name? Daenerys? Oh, Tar- Targaryen? The Targaryens were in uh, Star Wars? One of... No, not Daenerys. Okay. okay. I'm drawing a blank. I believe you. I believe you. One of you. the boys I believe was you. It's on... Funny. Uh, the Force Awakens, and he's really young, uh, but he's in The Force Awakens. Cool. Yeah, no, I certainly believe you. Um, what was I on about? Oh, and another thing I can't help but think in that same scene with, with Liza Tully, um, you know, so she tells him uh, the Supreme Leader's making contact, and Hux walks off to go take it, but then the, you know, the big head of Snoke appears and just starts yelling at him. I can't help but think, oh, Bill Weasley got a howler. <laughs> 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 Every time I think that, man, I, uh, he I, hit the floor hard when he just oh, kind of fall yeah. forward. Yeah, oh, he sure did. I've, oh, gosh, you can like hear, you know, you can hear everything snap when he hits the ground. It's uh, it's hard to watch. Poor Hux. <laughs> I want to throw uh, I want to throw this theory at you. See where it lands. Okay. I, I think we we might have talked about it before on Twitter, if not on this podcast. But how do you feel about the idea that Hux is a secret heir of Palpatine? What? Oh wait, you never heard that? No. Are you messing with me? You've no. never heard that? Okay, all right. Okay. So uh Palpatine, Darth Sidious, when he was a young man, he was uh it, he had this very iconic uh bright red hair. Okay. So he was, you know, ginger, just like Hux. Which, you know, yeah, sure, coincidence, coincidence, but the books have made have made it very very clear that Hux is a illegitimate child, you know, uh, ostensibly of uh, that his father Brendel Hux um, had an affair with a kitchen maid, and it resulted in uh, the General Hux that we have now, Armitage Hux. Yeah. 
And that just doesn't sit right with me. I'm like, okay, so this straight-laced imperial who doesn't like anybody, like, you know, you, you spend any amount of time with Brendel Hooks and you realize that he is extremely elitist. I'm like, okay, so he dallied with a kitchen woman and then legitimized that that child, you know, actually gave that child his last name and raised that child. I don't I don't think so. I I don't buy it. I smell conspiracy, especially like in the aftermath novels when when you like you see how um, how uh, 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 Gallius Rax has a special interest in Hux and Gallius Rax was very close to Emperor Palpatine. Um, I'm like, okay, I could really see Hux as a secret heir to Palpatine, uh, especially considering how obsessed Palpatine was with um, progeny and apprentices. He was always gathering up as many apprentices as he could. Um, In the Clone Wars, he was like abducting, you know, children so that he could have more and more apprentices. And this guy was just so obsessed with extending his own life and building his own legacy that I could absolutely see him like maybe making a tiny clone of himself and maybe that tiny clone is Hux or, you know, or trying to have an actual biological child, you know, actual biological heirs. I don't know. It would make sense for Palpatine and it would give us a really interesting twist on Hux to think that he is actually Palpatine's heir. And then like, and then that adds, adds another layer to his relationship with Kylo Ren because we have Vader's heir and Palpatine's heir in the same room vying for the same throne. Yeah. So that, isn't that kind of fun? That that would be interesting. I mm-hmm. don't I don't buy it at all. No, not at all. No. Not even a little. Not even a little. I think no. I don't know. I think the theory has teeth. I think it could really go somewhere if they wanted to. I mean, th- th- I think that Hux and Ben, regardless, have a fantastic rivalry. Sure. In uh, competition for power, basically, and I I think mm-hmm. that that will pay off in the future. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like the whole. Donald Gleason kind of championing the do I shoot uh, Ben while he's down before he mm-hmm. knows it while I can do I seize the moment to gain the power for myself mm-hmm. is, is a perfect thing to just continue build their their all both their characters you don't think he could have gotten that that patient plotting you know that you don't think he could have gotten that from Palpatine, you know, like because Palpatine was very patient and Palpatine was always like, okay, I'm going to move this piece and move this piece and very gradually work up to that moment to strike. Palpatine could write a a doctrine on how to play for the long game. Like he was very, very good at that. You don't think Hux maybe is showing a little bit of, of Palpatine machinations in his, Come on. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he. it would be fun if Hux did have that kind of patience and if mm-hmm. he did have a plot to overthrow Ben later on. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think that Donal is a great actor and uh, I, I really like the way that they compete. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he he absolutely does have a plan um, by the end of The Last Jedi. That's just that that look that Hux gives Kylo as Kylo, you know, walks away from him at 
very, very end of the movie and the camera just kind of zooms in on Hux's face. He just he looks like he's so ready to just get rid of Ren and take everything, you know, just take the entire First Order and be the new Supreme Leader. Like that, that's uh, Hux wants it. He wants it so bad. <laughs> I um, but I mean, when people make fun of him and call him General Hugs, that kind of takes the wind <laughs> out of your sails. That's for sure. Oh, it's, it, I don't know. I think that's part of the fun. I just, um, I don't know. Hux, Hux does fascinate me. He, he can be a little childish or he can be a lot childish. You know, when we see him, uh, you know, lose his temper almost the same way Ren does, uh, you know, when, uh, when Holdo turns the ship around to, to ram her ship into his and, and Hux just snaps and it was like, you know, bring down that cruiser, you know? He just, you know, absolutely snaps. Um, but for the most part, Hux is very patient. And I think he does show deference to to more experienced officers. We do see him have moments of, you know, intelligence and, and patience and clarity because he turns and he goes, you know, what, what is the point of all this if I can't bring down that ship? And then he listens as the officer explains things to him. Um, so I think Hux is smart enough to listen to more experienced officers, but at the end of the day, his, you know, his emotions and his impatience, you know, that that's more important than, than the wisdom of others. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, but I think he is kind of fascinating in, in that way that he is willing to kind of stop and listen and think about things the way Kylo just isn't, you know, cause, um, that moment where Hux is like trying to reason with Kylo and telling him not to get to distracted like he just turns to him and very calmly is like supreme leader don't get distracted like i don't know there's there's a rational level to hux that really intrigues me i can buy that and i would love to see what, <laughs> where it develops i mm -hmm. just um the palpatine thing's very creative to me like it's i don't know yeah kind of i just i guess i don't know but just just the way in the books they keep uh, being like, oh, by the way, he's a illegitimate child. Just, just so you know, just so you remember, I'm like, I don't know. I smell, I smell conspiracy there. Okay. <laughs> well, you have a lot more experience with the EU than I do, so you would know better. Oh, I'm just, I'm just making up stuff. You know, <laughs> well, not making stuff up. I'm just extrapolating, basically. Yeah, I, I love doing mm -hmm. that. That's fun. <laughs> can we talk about your boy a little bit well your other boy a little bit my other boy i have all the boys so you know when you say my boy you could be talking about poe you could be talking about kylo but you could also be talking about maul and i'd love to talk about maul <laughs> well in this case i was actually referring to poe <laughs> oh, so, fair enough. so okay. the first one is what i was wanting to talk about <laughs> so we talked about Paige and how she's kind of a minor character but um when i saw it again Poe's arc in The Last Jedi is definitely one of the strongest and the best um, developed. Um, and I think I saw something new in his converse, in his development that I don't think I saw the first two times. Mm -hmm. um, when Ky Kylo attacks the um, hangar on the Radis and basically blows up everybody and Poe gets knocked into the hallway or whatever yeah poe immediately says that uh 
a command to Finn and mm-hmm. it's basically the exact same thing that Leia's saying. Uh where Exactly. The, oh, I love that. I love it. Poe has mm-hmm. the instincts of a leader like in that moment you can see that Leia's been grooming him to be the leader of uh the resistance and to know what to do in certain situations. And so he has that instinct to, to give the right order to make the right mm-hmm. correction in this kind of um, crisis in this moment of decision making that he needs to make and he makes oh, yeah. the right decision so like mm-hmm. I think that that's just it it shows that Poe has been been has a history of being groomed for that kind of role but he still has more stuff to grow into Oh, yeah. No, I absolutely adore that moment. Uh, the last time I actually saw this movie, I turned to my friend and, and directly like pointed that out so that she would be able to catch it. Um, because, yeah, they, um, Kylo blows up the, the X-Wing hangar bay and then Poe immediately says, we need to get out of range. And then it cuts to Akbar on the bridge going, we need to what? And Leia repeats that same order that exactly. Poe did. You know, we need to get out of range right now. So you just, just the fact that Poe and Leia are on the same wavelength, they have that same gut reaction in that moment. It just, yeah, it really shows their connection and it shows how Poe is going to step up. I, oh, I love how this movie handled Leia and Poe. It, it basically it did everything I wanted to, to show how Poe is going to step up and, and be, you know, kind of our, our next Leia or at least our, our next leader in that way. He's going to yeah. fill that, that role that Leia had in the rebellion. Totally. Well, mostly because I, I, I believed that before this movie came out, I so firmly believed that about Poe and, and, you know, they, they've been, you know, building him up that way in the comics for quite some time in, in Poe Dameron's comic. Um, They've made it no secret that he is Leia's protege. Um, but most people were like, no, I don't see it. Uh, Poe didn't really do anything in Force Awakens. I, I don't get Poe. Poe's kind of useless, you know? And I was like, like, no, no, trust me. He's our next Leia. And um, I I was not looking forward to the next two years between episodes eight and nine, trying to convince people that Poe is supposed to be Leia. And, you know, oh, don't worry. Poe is going to step up and be Leia in episode nine. I, I'm just so glad I don't have to spend the next two years trying to convince anybody because it's there. It's yeah, in the it, movie. It That's really the whole is. point. Mm-hmm. And he has and a just, wonderful moment mm-hmm. of enlightenment when they're on the escape craft after they've left the Radis, mm-hmm. where Leia kind of explains the plan to Poe finally that yeah. they're traveling to Crate. Like it's 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 a base of the resistance. Mm-hmm. where they can call for help um, and they're sneaking away undetected because they're not looking for those little ships. Um, and Leia says that Holdo was more interested in protecting the light than seeming like a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's what kind of makes Holdo heroic is that she's interested in protecting the light and it wasn't about um, being heroic, but and and you see like the lights turning behind the scenes in Poe's eyes where he kind of finally gets it he gets what Holdo was doing and he gets how leadership can impact like the way you lead matters mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yeah exactly yeah um i 
I love two things about that. I, I love one that the thing about Poe is that he, he always, he believes in heroics. He, he believes that if he can just, you know, take charge and rally people that things will, will get done. They can save the day. Like no matter what Poe believes it, he's like Leia. He's that, that torch bearer, you know, he, he has unfailing amounts of hope. So he's like, you know, if, if I believe that we can do this, then we can do it. But, um, uh, he, you're right. He has to learn <laughs> that that doesn't always work out. Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of the whole point of him sending, uh, Finn and Rose is that they, they don't make it. And, and, uh, for a hot minute there, Poe actually thinks that he got Finn and Rose killed, which just breaks my heart. You know, when he wakes up and he, you know, he runs to the window and, and he sees, you know, the uh, the, the ship left behind, mm-hmm. you know, because the last thing he heard from Finn and Rose was them being taken prisoner. And then just the way, yeah, by Phasma and just the way Poe's head drops, you know, and, and he's just so lost to despair in that moment. I, I think it's because he's like, Finn and Rose are dead. You know, I, I killed them. <laughs> like that's so hard. It was so hard for him to, to learn that lesson, but you're right. It really does kind of click for him in that moment that, um, it, it, you have to have hope, but you have to play it in the right way. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And- but what I also love is that, um, Holdo, I think learned a little from him or she had something reawakened by talking to, you know, this flyboy, because what does she do at the end, but jump in a, you know, jump in a ship and blow something up? Oh, yeah, that's kind of perfect. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I think I, I really do think that Poe helped inspire that in her, you know, because if only because it takes her so long to think to do it, you know, Holdo just kind of stands there for a while watching these ships get blown up like she doesn't know what to do or how to save them you know she's like you know she's clearly her mind is racing and she's like what do I do I'm so helpless in this moment but then no she can she can do what a flyboy would do she's just gonna take the captain's seat and go blow something up and I just I love that so much I mean she does say that she likes him and that she likes his um his drive Mm -hmm. uh when he's when they're loading him on exactly yeah I do think that there is um Mm-hmm. It's kind of special that Holdo and Leia have that one scene together where they're actually able to have a conversation, and mm-hmm. it's kind of special that Carrie and Laura Dern wrote that dialogue together. Um, oh, as a that's special, nice. Yeah, um, just moment basically. Mm-hmm. No, that is really nice. It's I always love it when women in star wars are able to talk to each other because that so rarely happens and that they got to have this moment where they just talk about their own history and you know who they are as people and who they were as friends that it is really important and really impactful yeah yeah but i i do i do think that um you know of course uh holdo always had that kind of bravery and that kind of um you know bold brash thinking you know, uh, because, of course, she does look at Poe and, and she's like, I, I like him. But I think that moment where she says, I like him, I think it is because uh, she had gotten too cautious there for a while. Yeah. 
and and she was just kind of remembering that fire what it what it is like to be young like poe and and just to have that fiery belief and that need to to be proactive to jump in an x-wing i think she was looking at him and and remembering that and then that was what inspired her to to do what she did yeah it's it's pretty cool and Mm-hmm. The sound design of that, the going silent, is pretty special. Oh, right, right. Oh, it's such a powerful moment. Everybody in the theater always goes, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. The next uh, thing I wanted to talk about is kind of DJ. Um, oh, sure. Something kind of stuck out to me. DJ makes a comment when they're in the prison cell when he's saying that DJ offers to help Finn and Rose with their mission. And basically Finn and Rose are writing him off and saying, you can't help us. We don't, you're stuck in prison. We don't think that you have the capacity to do what we're talking about. We're not talking about picking pockets. All right. That's, (laughs) That's what Finn says. But DJ comes back with this comment where he says, don't let the rapper fool you friend. Um, I think DJ is kind of a fool's test for Finn, uh, similar to Jar Jar and Yoda, uh, where it's, it's a, it's a character test of Finn to look beyond the surface to see what, um, DJ actually offers. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think that that makes sense at all or? I do. Yeah. I, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but, but I think you're absolutely right when, uh, DJ just looks so dirty <laughs> and, and kind of gross. And he's just sitting there all like, you know, uh, saying that he can do this thing that Maz Kanata has said only one person can do. And, you know, you, you look at the Master Codebreaker and the Master Codebreaker is rolling at a high stakes table and he looks very suave and sleek, you know, and, and that's the Master Codebreaker, you know, kind of like Ray going off to look for the Luke Skywalker, you know, yeah. here's this legendary figure, the Master Codebreaker. And now they're in a jail cell with some dirty looking guy with no shoes going, yeah, I could do that. So, of course, they're like, yeah, no, they don't really. Like DJ they looks don't... like somebody that's been arrested for public intoxication on a Saturday night. You know yeah, right. I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, of course, they just they write him off the same way Luke tried to write off Yoda when when he first met Yoda and Yoda was just acting like a fool. And then kind of the same way a lot of people would write off Jar Jar because Jar Jar acts like a fool and seems very useless when, in fact, Jar Jar becomes a bombad general mm. and helps fight for his uh, his planet. So, so, yeah, this idea that someone who looks very useless, in fact, turns out to be a secret genius and gets them exactly where they want to be, that's a very Star Wars theme. And, and DJ then, yeah, directly states it when he says, don't let the rapper fool you, friend. That's... That's an exact statement of you know don't don't trust your eyes they'll deceive you. you know? mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think DJ offers some cool things to say when they're on the ship. Mm-hmm. Where he says, uh, "Good guys, bad guys, those are made made up words." Mm-hmm. <sighs> that's that's rough because I mean, when you kind of explain things in basic terms, good guys and bad guys is almost rudimentary terms of mm-hmm. people with a good cause versus people that are quote unquote evil. Um, 
If if you don't think that people there are quote unquote evil people, then it it just really shakes up the, your worldview, like your your paradigm or whatever. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, DJ just doesn't see the point in all of this. You know, he's he's like, well, it's <laughs> like Palpatine, where you know, good and evil are point of view. <laughs> like he's he's drinking that Palpatine Kool Aid, that Palpatine way of thinking, where it's just all like, well, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Yeah. Uh, and again, no, put down Palpatine Kool-Aid, like stop it. So, um, but I think that's precisely what shakes up Finn is that, you know, that's kind of what he's been thinking the, the whole time where he's like, I just don't want to fight. It doesn't, you know, this fight doesn't have anything to do with me, but it, he can't, he can't walk away. He does know the difference between good and evil at the end. You know, Finn just can't put that aside he can't let good people die so so yeah just hearing dj say it in very those very, very explicit simple terms where he's all like well good and bad are made up it none of this matters it's not personal finn by the end of it is able to look at him and say you're wrong because finn does know the difference between good and evil and he knows who the good and bad guys are right mm-hmm. but, i mean uh... I think the other thing he, that DJ thinks is the whole f- conflict between good and evil, quote unquote, is um, is very sick, cyclical. So mm-hmm. if one of them is defeated one day, the other one is just going to come back a few days later to fight again. And the tables may or may not turn, but it's just an in- endless cycle where mm-hmm. there's always going to be the conflict between section a and section b and dj's promoting he doesn't want to get caught yeah live free don't join the conflict of these two people Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to get caught in the middle of it because because yeah the so many people just get crushed beneath the wheel of this war and i think that's why kind of i think that's why at the heart of star wars is an anti-war message um, I, I really wish that Padme's um, speech to the Senate uh, hadn't been cut from Attack of the Clones. Uh, she has this whole speech about, you know, decrying the formation of, uh, of the Grand Army of the Republic, where she says, um, you know, if this comes to war, um, m- many will lose their lives, all will lose their freedom. Mm-hmm. And, and I think DJ sees that in a way. He sees how, you know... <laughs> So many people are just kind of crushed beneath this wheel. People that didn't ask for, you know, any of this, you know, people that aren't fighting in the war are still crushed by it. Um, but where where that that sad truth has kind of um, defeated DJ, it has driven people like Rose. And so Finn can choose to either be defeated by it and become DJ or he can be driven by it and become Rose. Those are the two directions he's being pulled in. And then thankfully he chooses to stand with Rose instead of following DJ. And and it does kind of go back to, Mm -hmm. uh, Jen Urso in Rogue One when Saul is like, you could stand to see the Imperial flag fly high. Mm -hmm. Um, and Jin says that's only a problem if you look up. And it's basically mm-hmm. a warning of <clears throat> if you're only focused on your own, own um, circumstances, y- you can allow a lot of 
terrible tyranny and oppression mm-hmm. to happen to everybody else. Basically, people that can't fight for yeah. themselves um, will become oppressed. Exactly. Yeah. It's about the it's a warning against complacency, really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I I get so frustrated when people say that DJ was pointless or that, you know, DJ should have been cut from the movie when I'm like, no, because he's doing so much for Finn's character <laughs> and for these underlying themes of the whole movie. Um, DJ is just a really good conduit for all of that. So so I appreciate him. I, I'm, I'm all here for DJ. I'm all in. And I'm excited to see more of him, honestly. I'm down for his comic. I'm I'm ready for more DJ. Uh, the last big thing I wanted to talk about um, that I wanted to talk about specifically mm-hmm. is uh, you have mentioned like at least once, maybe twice on the previous uh, podcast mm-hmm. about Ray's her- heroine journey in right. The Last Jedi. Right. And of course, I come from it from a not much knowledge background, so it I didn't. I feel like I didn't give you much back to to bounce off of. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to look maybe at touch it on with that again, fresh mm-hmm. eyes, and give you some something to sink your teeth in, maybe a little. Um, and when I watched it recently, the thing that I saw that I thought applied to that was when Ray and Luke are in the uh, forest tree for the first time when mm-hmm. basically the force tree is calling to Ray and she right. hears the Jedi code and she finds the ancient text. Mm-hmm. Luke comes in after and he's intrigued that, she, that basically the force tree is calling to her and he's basically like, who are you and why are you here? Where do you come from? Um, and he specifically asked, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Several, several times because the first couple of times she says that she's basically like Leia sent me the resistance needs you, but he's, he's not asking why the resistance needs her to come get him. He's Mm -hmm. asking specifically like, why is she here? And Mm -hmm. I feel like she looking for that is basically calling her out for her agency of, um, what, what is her purpose? And let's look below the surface about, what is motivating you as a person and not just what other people want from you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then just the way she talks about when, when she's finally starting to unpack, you know, what she's looking for, why she's here, what, what she wants. Um, the, the only way she can put it into words is to describe, um, you know, something inside me is awake Mm -hmm. and now I don't, I don't know what it is or what to do with it. And, and she's looking, she's looking for somebody to, to give her those answers and to tell her what to do with it. You know, this power that has awoken inside of her. But the, the sad truth is, is that yes, Luke can give her guidance, but ultimately only she can decide what to do with that power. Mm -hmm. That is her agency that she needs to grasp and, and take control of. Um, and, uh, in, I, I think that arc is so clear and so it's so good. I just really enjoy it because, you know, Luke does try to kind of take control of 
you know, of, of race choices and, and, and all of that, you know, if only briefly, because he, he at least chastises her for going towards the dark, you know, she seeks knowledge, she, she, there is something inside that cave that calls to her, and, and Luke tells her, no, you can't have that, you can't go in there, like, you know, and all, all she is even is curious, you know, what is that, she doesn't even know what it is, right. and he's, he doesn't even bother to stop and explain it to her, he's just all like, no, don't go in there, and if you go in there, I'm gonna be super mad at you, you know, so it, in, in terms of the heroine's journey, Luke is telling her, no, she has to stay innocent and pure and chaste uh, forever, basically. Um, but, of course, that's not the heroine's job. The heroine's job is to have a, an awakening and take control of her narrative and her agency and stuff like that. And then, of course, uh, Snoke then tries to exploit it, um, you know, exploit uh, Ray's, you know, search for the darkness and, and knowledge and all of that. Um, and ultimately Ray is able to forge her own path that's dictated by neither Luke nor Snoke, um, which is just so good and so smart. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I think that she is challenged several times to, um, talk to Luke on a, a deeper level mm -hmm. where, I, I think that Luke is brushing her off saying that he can't be the legend that everyone needs. And I think Ray says, the galaxy may need a legend. I just need someone to show me my place in all of this. Um, where it's, mm -hmm. she's not asking him to solve the problems of the galaxy. She's asking him to just be a mentor to her and to, to mm -hmm. invest in her basically. Um, and I thought that that was very uh, personal and powerful. Yeah. Oh, I certainly agree. Um, I I I do think it's interesting that when Luke was called to the to the dark side tree on Dagobah, Yoda straight up said, "In you must go." But when Ray was called to it, Luke was like, "No, no, don't don't do that. No." <laughs> I, I I don't think that he is a. He says that it offered you something you needed. And you didn't hesitate. I, I don't think that he's he's horrified mm -hmm. that it offered her something. I think that that's the whole purpose of a quote unquote dark side cave. Like that's what mm -hmm. it always offers. I think yeah. the part that he's scared of is her bravery and her unabashedness to go forward, even though that there's quote unquote a threat. Um, like he's. A danger. little terrified of of that mm -hmm. danger of that boldness because it can lead to, I guess, similar things that it happened with Ben. You know what I mean? Question: Do you think Luke Skywalker was afraid that he would try to kill Ray? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, same. I think that's definitely implied um, several times, uh, you know, because Kylo warns her. Yeah. He says uh, um, when he tells Ray about what happened that night, um, he says um, that his uncle sensed his power as he senses yours. Exactly. And then, of course, you know, Ray is, is drawn towards the, the dark side cave and, and Luke is terrified. He's like, I, you know, I felt this raw strength over once before. 
And so do you think a part of Luke Skywalker is like, oh, no, if this girl starts to show dark side tendencies, I'm going to lose it. I'm not going to be able to help myself and I'm going to kill her. I'm going to do something I regret again. I think that Luke Skywalker is frozen in fear, which is why he's stuck mm-hmm. on Octo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that his failure with Ben shook him to the core to the point where he didn't know what was going on um, in himself. Like, he couldn't understand how he failed on that level. And so he had to go on a spiritual journey to try to find answers about what the inherent failure of the Jedi were, which is why he went on a quest to find all the ancient artifacts and why he went to find the ancient Jedi text and why he went to find the first Jedi temple. Like, he was on um, basically a, a mission... Uh, a spiritual mission to to find answers uh it's similar to gandalf in fellowship of the ring when he finds the one ring he goes back to gondor where the it's basically all the ancient texts are of the land to do research about the one ring and to trace back its steps to see where it if it is the one wing and what to do with it if if it is so like he abandons frodo and frodo you kind of you feel that when you read the books is Frodo feels abandoned by Gandalf because he's got this one ring and Bilbo's gone and he doesn't know what to do but his mentor is nowhere to be found for months and months and months um, and I think that that's what Luke does he goes on the spiritual quest to find answers but the answer that he finds is just a problem it doesn't give him direction like so that's why he's kind of stuck there to get the next lesson. Sure. Yeah. I feel like he came there. He was more hopeless than, than that. I feel like he's honest when he tells Ray, I came here to die. Yeah. I think he kind of had given up there for a while. Um, I think uh, maybe he, he was hoping that the Jedi text would have answers, but I don't think he found what he was looking for, at least not at first. And I, I think in a way he was kind of waiting for Ray. I think Ray brought the answers that he was waiting for, even though he didn't know he was waiting for her. I, think, I thought it makes sense at all. Sure. I think that he needed the lesson on failure, that the failure is mm-hmm. not the problem. It's kind of oh, the sure. solution. Well, I think um, I think the answers, you know, kind of like Yoda says, the, the answers were not in some musty old books. The answers were in Ray and, you know, what she taught him and what she was able to reawaken in, inside of him. Um, it, if that makes sense at all. Yeah. That that lesson about failure, he couldn't have learned that lesson except that Ray showed up and reminded him what it means to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think that's what, what helped, you know, awaken Yoda is so that he could appear and, and talk to Luke. Oh. Ben asked Ray a question uh, mm-hmm. in one of the Force times. Sure. Where Ben asked her, "Why do you think? Why is the Force connecting us?" Mm-hmm. Do you think there's an answer to that? Um. Yeah, because they're in love. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I I think I think um I think yeah they are connected just because of who they are. I think she is his equal in the light that just always two there are. And I just, 
I think I think that's it. I think that there's always supposed to be a, a balance, and there's always supposed to be a, a light half to a dark half, and and then that's Kylo and Ray, and that they're supposed to find a way to come together uh, and move forward. Basically, you know, stop fighting, you know, put an end to the conflict, and bring balance. I I think that's that's the goal. That's their journey, because when they did you know, unite together, they, they kick some serious butt. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're, they're currently at a crossroads. They're at a point where they, you know, they can't agree, but I think uh, the force is connecting them because the force wants them to be together. They're, they're supposed to find a way to move forward, you know, romantically or not whatever, but when they touch hands, when they're able to make that connection, the force theme starts playing. I don't know how they can be any more blatant than that, than, oh my gosh, Ray and Kylo are touching hands and the force theme is playing. That's, did, yeah, the force uh, is connecting uh, them. Did, did, did you notice that when they touch hands that, to, in my opinion, she gets the chills, basically? She, like, gasps, you know? Yeah. Like yeah, she like that, that. We've talked about how there was intimacy, and I think that that's what is what shows that gotcha. there's intimacy is. She yeah, gets well, a, what, a chill or something. Yeah, I think when they touch hands, I think that that gasp. It, I think she wasn't sure in that moment if they actually could touch because, of course, she tried to shoot him before and the blaster bolt just went right through him. So I think she was afraid that his hand would just go through hers, but there was a real solid connection. And so she just kind of gasped with relief and and shock and surprise and and all of that. You know, it, it was a very intimate and sudden, like, connection, but, like, a real solid connection. And then, of course, there we find out later that she actually had a vision. Like as soon as they touched hands, she could see something. So I think I think it is a very a very loaded gasp. Can you <laughs> can you share again what you think that, uh, their vision is in that moment? Uh, sure. I, I feel like um, Ray's vision is exactly what she says um, that she sees Ben's future, just the shape of it, but solid and clear. Um, she she sees him turned towards the light. She sees a, a hopeful future for him. Um, uh, Kylo's vision, however, I'm pretty sure when they're in the elevator, he says, I saw something too. And because of what I saw, I know that you will be the one to turn. Ray, I saw who your parents are. So I think while Ray was looking towards the hope and optimism of, of the future, Kylo was looking towards the past. He wanted to understand who Ray was because that's kind of what Kylo is all about. He's all about, um, you know, where do you come from? Who who are you? Whose blood do you have? Because he wrongly assumes that these things will define you. And I mean, of course, that's that's his assumption. That's how he's grown up his whole life. You know, being a a solo and being, um, you know, a Skywalker, having that mighty Skywalker blood. That has defined him his entire life. So of course he looks at Rey, and when they touch hands, he sees her past. And then because he sees that she comes from nothing, he then assumes that she'll want to stand by him and, you know, and be raised up in, in that way. He, he he thinks that she'll need, she'll want to have a legend like, you know, Darth Vader to raise her up and make her special. He's wrong in that assumption. 
But I, I think that that is what they see when they touch hands. She looks to the future and he looks to the past. And, um, and so I, I very firmly believe that Ray's vision has yet to come to pass. I, I think Ben still will come to the light and then her, her force vision will, will come true. Can I offer you a different opinion? Sure. <laughs> okay. So, um, mm-hmm. she does say that Ben Solo will turn and that he is our last hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the elevator, mm-hmm. Kylo Ren says, You will stand with me. So they're both convinced that the other is going to turn um, and that they're, they, they ha- were given a vision when they touched. I think that Ray and Ben are sharing a similar thing to Darth Maul and Ezra with the twin sons where they're seeing the same moment, but they're seeing different things. And I think that the moment that they're seeing is their moment against the Praetorian guards in Snoke's throne room um, because both of them turn their backs to one another, basically joining forces to fight the Praetorian guards. I, I don't like that one because it that makes things really weird and complicated on on Kylo's end because if if we're assuming that they touch hands and they both see the Praetorian fight and then and then they both assume that this means the other is going to turn to their side and join them that means that Kylo saw that vision he saw that Praetorian fight but also Ray's parents were there you know that's bizarre and i don't i don't get that at all because that's not at all what he says he says i saw who your parents are and because i saw of what i saw i believe you'll stand with me like i don't i i i just don't buy it that's just not how i read the text of what he's saying you know cuz okay. that's just really weird and then he's like oh they're dead in a pauper's grave like okay so we saw the praetorian fight but also her parents are there and then they died like i don't know i don't i don't buy it it's just not for me okay yeah and then i do think that like he does mm-hmm. some really kind he does he mm-hmm. does some nagging stuff where he basically saying you have no place in this story. You are nothing, but not to me. I wish people would stop saying it's nagging because nagging is a very different thing and a very different and real problem that women face. Okay. You know, so, um, uh, yes, the, just when you take that line out of context and be like, you're nothing, you're nothing, but not to me. Yes. Out of context, that's kind of a terrible line line and that's kind of a terrible thing to say to a person but in the context of the scene i think he's he's trying to tell her we're both nothing we're both so trapped by our past that we need to to kill our past and and be be something together you know he's trying to tell her i care about you i want you nobody in your whole life has ever cared about you or wanted you but I care about you and I want you. He, he's trying to make her feel special. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's really heartbreakingly sincere in, in the way he's trying to make her feel special. But yes, the, the text, the words that come out of his mouth are really unfortunate, you know? <laughs> like, 
Like, I get that. It's like, you can't just stand there and say you're nothing and expect a girl to fall head over heels for you. No, (laughs) it's not a good approach. (laughs) No. I wouldn't recommend it. No, yeah. Just, uh, Mr. Darcy tried in Pride and Prejudice. It didn't work out for him either. Like, (laughs) I, um, gosh, I'm so, I'm so fascinated by where Ray and Kylo are now in their arc. I, I do firmly and sincerely believe that they'll find a way together in episode nine, but just the way this one ends with um, Ray shutting the door in his face, I, I, I think that's so good and that's so fascinating. Like I say that as a Raylo shipper, I love that she just kind of closes the door on his face right now because she's refusing to drag him along. He he is so focused on the past, you know, and, and she wants to move forward into the future. And if he's not going to take that step, if he's not going to walk willingly into the future, then then she's she's done. You know, it's up to him to take that step. She is not going to drag him along. You know, like, I think that's so good. That's so smart. Do you think that there's going to be a continual symbolism of... Mm-hmm. almost schizophrenia with Ben where if he has the gloves off he's Ben but if he has the gloves on he's Kylo Ren oh certainly I mean yeah if J.J. Abrams is at all smart <laughs> or you know what I mean if he understands symbolism even a little bit I think he'll he'll he knows the difference between Kylo with his gloves on and Ky- Kylo when he takes off his glove and you know there's a difference there in sincerity and it, it, not sincerity but there's a difference there in what is being offered to Ray when Kylo takes off his glove he is reaching for her as, as nothing more or less than Ben Solo you know just just a boy you know that in fan of the opera terms, it's that's all I ask of you. Love me. That's all I ask of you. But when he has the glove on, it's that's a love with conditions. It's I only love you if you come with me. I only love you if you do this for me. Again, in fan of the opera terms, uh, when the Phantom wants Christine to come with him and, and love him and be with him, he's like, well, to be with me, you have to stay underground. You have to forsake all thoughts of daylight. You have to do this and this and this and this you know, to be with him. But uh, Raul, Christine's other uh, uh, paramour in in uh, The Phantom of the Opera, his love has no such conditions. He's just like, love me. That's all I ask of you. So the glove is that uh, uh, is that conditional love, um, but no glove is unconditional love. And that's that's what he needs to offer her. I like The Phantom of the Opera. Um Oh, analogy. yeah, you like that metaphor? Thank you. Yeah, I worked real hard on that one. <laughs> it's one of my um, favorite musicals. Uh, I don't know. I blame my mom for that one, but yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think a lot of people are that way where moms kind of, you know, were like, oh, you have to come see this with me. Like For me, though, it was my sister. My sister really wanted to go see the, the 2004 movie, and yeah. I was not into it. I was like, an opera? I don't know. That sounds kind of lame. But then we went and watched it. I was like, that was the best thing ever. <laughs> my mom was uh, studied opera mm-hmm. in college, so like, oh, it was one of her nice. strongest passions. Um all right, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to hopefully blow your mind with something oh, that yeah? I think I saw. Okay. On crate when Kylo says I want you to point every gun you have at that man and fire. 
and basically the ATM sixes just barrage Luke on crate. Okay. Um, basically, you see a lot of smoke and firing and dust and debris, and <laughs> Hux is like, "Okay, do you think we? That's enough." And he's like, do you think you got yeah. him? <laughs> but as they stop firing, um, mm-hmm. it goes back to Luke. And I think I, be- I believe I see Luke uh, meditating um, in a cross position in on crate. Oh, like Qui-Gon? Yeah. Oh, I've never noticed that. I've seen this movie 12 times and I haven't noticed that. I'll have to, I'll have to look. Yeah, you think that's what he's doing? I I do. Like, I think... like, do you think or do you know? It's not very clear. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> it's not like it's specifically drawn out, but I do think that you see him getting up, like the emotion of getting from off the ground to a standing position, basically. Yeah. And okay, I, in my head canon, it, I That'd it would be, cool. be kind of cool if Luke was meditating during that barrage yeah like yeah like the the yeah all that all that fire is just raining down on him and you know he can't feel any of it so he just kind of sits down the way Qui-Gon Jinn did like oh that'd be so good that'd be really cool maybe that would be in like an extended cut or something you know like uh deleted scenes I don't know no we'll see I'll have to I'll have to keep an eye out you know, once we have it on Blu-ray, I know. <laughs> I'm just gonna be going through it screenshot by screenshot. March 27th, I believe. Is. March 27th. Oh my gosh, that yeah, my birthday is in March, and so I'm just getting like so much Star Wars stuff for <laughs> for my birthday this year, like new Rebels and all kinds of, of uh, all kinds of Last Jedi. Ah, it's gonna be so good. <clears throat> I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about one more thing about Ray. Okay. Before we before we wrap things up. Um, uh, I was, I was thinking about this because of our, our podcast from yesterday with the, uh, with the dark side. Sure. We were talking about, um, you know, what, what's the difference between the dark side and the Sith, you know, and the, the Sith are selfish. Does that mean that the dark side is inherently selfish? And I think I, I stand by what I was saying yesterday about how the dark side uh, is about being more proactive. The, the light side is passive and things flow through a Jedi, um, if that makes sense. But um, I was listening to a really good podcast called The Knights of Rant. Uh, they're a couple of fun ladies. They ship Raylo like nobody's business, so I've gotten really into it lately. <laughs> oh, yeah? Uh, and they, yeah, they were talking about how um, uh, this movie, The Last Jedi, does a really good job of showing why you need both light and darkness. Because Rey, when she was on Jakku, was basically blinded by her hope and by by too much light. Because that's what happens when you have too much light or too much darkness. You're blinded. Mm-hmm. You know, too much either way and you can't see what's true. And Rey was so full of hope and this belief that her parents were good people and wouldn't just give her away. You know, they were going to come back. And and just the mere suggestion that, that they weren't anything less than perfect parents, you know, makes her go, you know, just makes her snap when, when Kylo says, they threw you away like garbage. She just spits back, no, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Um, so she, she was basically throwing her life away on Jakku, just wasting her life away on that planet because she was committed to being passive and she needed a bit of tough love. Honestly, she needed someone to point out to her, they're never coming back. And she had to let go of that idea. You know, she just needed a little bit more balance. She needed to, to let go of all those, all that hope really. I mean, and that hope was important. I'm sure that hope got her through a lot of really rough, day, rough days. But to move on with her life and to to capture her agency, I think she did need you know just a little more dark side. I think she needed a lot more. Mm-hmm. She needed a ton of challenging on that level of mm-hmm. living an authentic life, and I think that that's one of the things that Luke focuses or not focuses that he does a lot in this one trying to get her to to answer for herself and to to not give a candy coated answer um mm-hmm. like my parents are coming back for me but yeah what are you looking at critically like what makes you think mm-hmm. that they're really coming back or yeah what is why are you here like mm-hmm. what do you want um what do you want me to do? Do you want me just to stand in front of the first order by myself with a laser sword? And yeah. <laughs> he, I think that she is, she does need um, to be challenged on level to live an authentic life and to not just um, mm-hmm. have blind faith. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think, yeah, Kylo and Ray um, just really show, they exemplify in this movie how, when the light and the dark, can kind of come together and, and strike an accord, there is balance and, and it's helpful to both sides. You know, Ray was able to move forward. Um, and then Kylo ideally would have been able to take steps towards her and that would have helped him out too, but he's, he's still stuck. I think that will be, that'll be the challenge for the next movie is, you know, obviously is getting him unstuck because he's just so mired in everything right now and his hatred and his despair. I think Ray's like, discreet. Description mm-hmm. of the Force mm-hmm. in this movie is is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, because it does flesh out a lot of the differences between the light and the dark. Um, mm-hmm. And the way Ray describes it, it's not two different forces; it's one force with a cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, where the light side is new life, basically. But the the way that mm-hmm. you get new life in nature is for death to occur, um, mm-hmm. and the dark side is that that death then decay. It's just mm-hmm. that it's, it it kind of goes back to Yoda where he says death isn't a natural part of life. Um, mm-hmm. Mourn them, do not, or miss them, do not mourn them, do not. Um, and, yeah, they and, just become part of the force. You know, they they've gone into the ground basically to feed new life new new force you know like it they're not gone they're just part of the force you know if that makes sense there's still energy and i felt really guilty when i saw that Mm -hmm. uh this week i'm like what has ray done in the (laughs) first two movies she's given us a huge insight into what the force is and i'm like okay i'm sorry (laughs) ray should have been on my list (laughs) No, that's okay. I get it. You're, you're waiting for her to have like a really big heroic moment, but her moments thus far, yeah, have been really cool. Um, you know, 
character building moments for her and also yeah that that good lore bomb moment basically (laughs) of what the force is i love this idea that the force is the balance the force isn't the light and the dark per se the the force is the balance between it you know there is of course you know a light side and a dark side of the force but the force itself is that whole the balance of it and then um, that mural on on the floor of the temple with the the prime Jedi, the first the Jedi. Guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that it is light and dark. It's it's both. It is the it is that balance. Um, and I think the first Jedi understood that. The first Jedi understood that that the Force was balance. Um, you know, an, an, an absence of conflict. Right. Um, I have a wild kind of kind of theory i mean okay. i don't know how wild this is you know especially compared to you know hux's palpatine sure but i i have a theory that that the jedi as we know them in the prequels are actually kind of a splinter group that that you know that the sith and the jedi derive from the same ancestor you know um you know i guess like the father you know and eventually the father split into two, these two distinct groups, the, the daughter who is only going to live in pursuit of the light, you know, the Jedi and the son who is only going to live in pursuit of the dark, the, the Sith. And, and, um, you know, so the, the very first Jedi were the father, they had that balance. Um, but, but eventually the, the Jedi just became, you know, we, they became these two distinct separate groups. And so I, I don't know. I think that would be fascinating. That'd be really cool to find out that the Sith and the Jedi come from the same ancestor. You know, they come from the same source. I want you to watch a movie for me. Sure. Yeah. It's called the dark crystal in the 80s. Oh yeah, I know. I know. The mystics and the Skeksis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They, they are literally the same species that were separated when the, the dark crystal was broken and mm-hmm. the shard was removed from the dark crystal and they became two parts of, uh, this of a whole, the, yeah. of a whole basically. Mm-hmm. And then when they heal the crystal and they, they put it back together, the two parts become one again. Um, yep. and I wholeheartedly agree with you mm-hmm. and I love that theory and I share it. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like the dark crystal is a beautiful thing and, and I love it a lot and they're making more of it and mm-hmm. I can't wait to see that. So. Gosh. Yeah. Not to, not to go too far afield, but I really hope that episode nine kind of validates the prequels in that way that they like really lean on the, you know, what is balance in the force and how can we bring, how can we reconcile the Jedi and the Sith? Like, oh, that'd be so good. I, please, I, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think yeah. I don't know if they'll try to reconcile the Jedi and the Sith, but I think they'll definitely try to reconcile okay. the light and the dark, and yeah. especially if there's that relationship with um, Kylo Ren and uh, Rey, yeah. it, it would yeah exactly very easily to to explain it. Um, That's fair. I yeah, do, no, I know what you mean because yeah, I do hope the, that they uh, Kylo up. isn't Sith. Mm-hmm. With a new quote-unquote religion, a new, um, basically, uh, denomination, a new, a, a new name, a new denomination for Force user to sure. to, to describe a balanced approach, basically. And 
Mm-hmm. That's why I think that the episode nine will be something like Rise of the Blah Blah, the Ashla or something like that. Um, Bendu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I think, um, I think, yeah, I, I don't think they will because if, if the prime Jedi, if the very first Jedi, you know, really was that balance, that sense of light and dark, then, then Ray will be like, okay, we're, we're the new Jedi. We're Jedi in the first intended classical sense. Um, it, if only because and now this is getting very meta. Uh, I, I think it would be very hard for for Disney to rebrand the Jedi. I don't think they they want to lose the name Damn. Jedi. Yeah, because it just has such big brand recognition. Mm-hmm. So I I think they'll keep the name Jedi, but but it'll be made clear in the text that they're not the Jedi of the prequels. They're they're a new approach to the to the Jedi way of thinking which is which would be fun if the new way of thinking was actually the very very oldest way of thinking <laughs> like sure we're gonna be just like the first Jedi and the first Jedi were were also Sith like <laughs> terrific can we talk a <laughs> little bit about the drama that happened today the drama well, it's not really drama I don't I don't you're gonna have to remind me more camel asking what is Raylo oh I loved that so much. <laughs> okay. Apparently on Twitter, for anybody that didn't hear, um, somebody um, tagged Mark Hamill going, uh, retweet if you love And then Mark Hamill just replied, what's Raylo? I'm sorry. Can and you the say- fandom went wild. Can you say that again? Oh, yeah? You're, uh, oh, did I drop cut out? out? Yeah. Oh, bummer. Okay. So um, on Twitter... Somebody said, retweet if you love Raylo, and then they tagged Mark Hamill. And Mark Hamill replied, what's Raylo? And the fandom went nuts. Like, oh my gosh, they went nuts. It was, it was quite so entertaining. Like, yeah, there were a bunch of different reactions. You know, of course, some people love it because obviously anytime a celebrity says the name of your ship, then that's cause for celebration. Other people um, kind of cringed at that. They're like, no, please don't bother celebrities with your with your shipping. It's kind of embarrassing when you do that, which, yeah, I get that. But um, but then Mark Hamill went, uh, he made a, a whole new tweet where he just went, do I really not know what Raylo is? Or do I just want to see pictures of shirtless Kylo Ren? That like, you so decide. Perfect. That was so perfect. Like, we know that Mark knows what Raylo is. Like he he's been in fandom long enough that he knows what shipping is. He knows what fans do in their free time. Like, <laughs> and he he likes Raylo fan art all the time. He gets on Twitter, looks at Raylo fan art, and then hits the like button just to see us go wild, you know? <laughs> like so he knows. I think he was just trying to stir the pot when he went, what's Raylo? Like, oh he gosh. did it specifically to see us all go wild. It you works know? so well because... It does. It works so well. Th- there's there's a, f- a sect of fan that are absolutely against Raylo, and they're like, oh, Mark, stay away, stay away. Just say no, no, no. And then there's some old fogies like me that are like, what the hell is a ship? And Yeah, right? <laughs> The only yeah. ship I know are boats, like that are in the sea. <laughs> and, like, no, that's fair. <laughs> it, it makes me laugh because, like, up until recently, I had no idea what it was. But um, oh, that's funny. yeah, yeah. But uh, it, it just expands people's horizons, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I um, just, I got a kick out of it today. 
Yeah. Oh, me too. I I was tickled because um, the idea that Mark wouldn't know what Raylo is is just absurd enough that I got I got such a giggle out of it. I think he really did it just to just to mess with all of us. <laughs> I mean, Dame du- Judy Dench herself once looked at uh, at Daisy Ridley and said, "What's the deal with Raylo?" Yeah. So Raylo is definitely a word that goes around. I can guarantee you the f- phrase Raylo was set on on the set of the last jedi like i i i loved it i thought that was so fun um but again i understand if 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 you think it's embarrassing to to tweet your shipping stuff at celebrities then um then i get that you know just try not to look i don't think <laughs> and and everybody be, be chill shame, though if they do I, I, ask I agree. about that because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people are just it it kind of goes back to the authenticity thing of just be Mm -hmm. who you are and like what you like and oh i agree live your life the best way that you can live it i don't think that people should be shamed for wanting something to happen oh Um, i agree um especially um if if the actor or or content creator a director what have you is comfortable with it if if somebody is uncomfortable with being shown shipping pictures i know people send oscar isaac like really uncomfortable pictures of him and and finn storm, you know storm pilot yeah storm pilot stuff if that makes them uncomfortable then then don't just don't but oscar just seems so delighted by everything storm pilot that i'm like yeah you guys have fun like you you shouldn't be embarrassed of what you ship like absolutely not i mean it's it's all just here to to be fun so as long as everybody's having a good time, I don't see the harm, and I don't think Raylo should be ashamed like at all to to be like, hey, I like this. Oh, especially with like Ryan Johnson, who just seems to love Raylo so much and loves Raylo shippers. He's always so encouraging to them. I I love it. It's so sweet. It's very nice. Cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was a good discussion. I had fun. Um, do you have anything else yeah, that you wanted to add? Um, no, I think we hit all of my points tonight. I mostly wanted to to, to sob more about Ray and Raylo and Hux, of course. And we talked about Captain Kennedy, which <laughs> I always have a good time talking about Captain Kennedy. You can't have a bad, bad time talking about Captain Kennedy. Yeah. No. <laughs> he just brings smiles. And he brings down that last bomber. <laughs> Get that so man sorry. a drink. Oh my gosh. You know, actually we've done three episodes now about the last Jedi and I don't think either one of us has talked about Porgs. No, we probably haven't. <laughs> Porgs. Honestly. Did we miss the why... boat or something? Uh, no, I don't think, I mean, it, no, that, that is a boat that sails eternal. Like, let's be real. Like I, um, I, uh, that, that's the real reason I've seen this movie 12 times is to see, a. Uh, is to see the porgs. I want to see Chewie take a bite of that ju- juicy no. rotisserie chicken, like porg. Uh, no, that's because that's the thing. They're just they're so cute. I don't think I don't think you can untaste a porg. You know, like once he knows what it tastes like, he can never look another porg in the eye because all he's going to be able to think about is how juicy delicious they, they are. are. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, I get that. <laughs> the friend I, I saw this movie with last was all like, the worst part is over. Why doesn't he just eat it? Like, it's yeah, already exactly. dead. He <laughs> plucking like, the feathers has un- got to be the worst part of eating a pork. Right. 
Right. And I'm like, because he can't untaste it. He can't not know what a porg tastes like after that. So just <laughs> no. Like what is good, that your favorite? I like some good rotisserie chicken. I mean, it looks pretty tasty. Yeah, that's fair. But like, if, if I had a chicken staring at me, I'm like, please don't eat me. <laughs> like, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could look a chicken in the eye and eat a chicken at the same time. Like, I mean, maybe I could if I was real hungry. <laughs> They're kind of gross, I think. I've been watching a lot of documentaries that are about food, and it's just like, whoa. Ooh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, I don't think uh, – porgs are pretty cute, though. I don't think uh, – <laughs> it would be real hard for me to eat one. Um, what's What's your favorite porg moment, though? Is it is it the rotisserie porgs? <laughs> My favorite porg moment. Mhm. Is it, it the it, one that gets slapped up against the window? <laughs> it's either the one that gets slapped up against the window or the one that almost gets a lightsaber through the eyeball. <laughs> Especially That's with his friend one. like tapping I... on the power button. Like, yeah, he, he does oh my gosh, right. Thing that Luke does, and it's like, you're not supposed to look at it through that way. Just oh ask my the gosh. Praetorian I... guard how that works when they turn the lightsaber on when you're looking at it down the barrel. <laughs> okay. Okay. One, I want to clarify that every Porg moment is my favorite moment. Like, <laughs> I love them all. But I think the ones that delight me the most are, are, are all the ones in nests for some reason. And now that I think about it, I really like the one that, uh, you know, when, when Luke, like, jumps across that ravine. And then Ray's, like, yeah, to go fishing. And Ray's, like, careful. And there's that one porg just, like, watching them. Like, <laughs> I like that man. one porg. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's like the porg is, like, telling him to be careful. Like, you know, if you just watch the porg and you don't look at Ray, it's like the porg is saying, careful. Or it's like, keep it down. I'm trying to rest over here. Oh, that know? too. That too. <laughs> oh, which is what a good idea to put a porg in that shot. Like, honestly. <laughs> and then I really like the, um, the, uh, the, both the mama porgs with their ugly babies. The one that like is tucking in its babies with its little wings while Ray is having her, her, like her little force speech, yeah. you know? She's all like peace, violence, and we just see the little the little mama porg like new tucking life. in her ugly baby. Yeah. Yeah, new life. Like she just looks so happy, like in the sunlight, like with her horrible, horrible, ugly babies. Like when... And then I also like the other mama porg in the Falcon with her her tiny ugly baby. <laughs> when it says um the dark side with uh death and decay. Sure. Do you see basically a nest that's fallen off the ledge with cracked eggs? Is that what you're seeing? Um, no, I, I assumed that the eggs hatched and then the ocean, you know, washed away. You know, I didn't see it as as sad, but I've heard a lot of people say that they thought that the that the nest had broken you know, the eggs had broken and that the, like the baby porgs had died. And I didn't see that at all. I was just all like, oh, okay, the eggs are cracked it, open because the baby's hatched. No, <laughs> no, no. It's really quick, but it, I think it's definitely oh. that like a nest has fallen off the side of a cliff into the ocean and oh. it's uh, basically destroyed the nest and killed the babies where uh, it's oh, like death and decay where it's just kind of an, the natural mm -hmm. cycle of life where bad things happen and it's like i 
I'm incapable of thinking about bad things happening to porgs. Like even even the chewy moment, I'm like I'm like 98% convinced that that's a tofu porg. Oh, tofu. You know, it's a turducken so, or no? It's a turducken. Yeah, exactly. Like so, I I'm gonna choose to believe that that the baby porgs hatched and then the ocean washed it away. But uh, but you know that's. That's just me. I have to compartmentalize these things or I won't be able to get up in the morning. I'll just be like, can't go to work. Baby porgs died. <laughs> Miss Darkside is puppy me. dogs and rainbows when yeah. it comes to baby porgs. Yeah, just they're so precious. I love them. If Oh, my God. No, if they hurt, if anything happens to Chewie's porg in the next movie, I will burn this franchise to the ground. Like, <laughs> we're done, Star Wars. <laughs> It was very fun talking to you. Next week, we are going to to revisit the Clone Wars with um, Fives and Echo in the Citadel arcs and specifically the Umbara arc. So that'll be fun to pick up where we left off. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a really nice just going back and watching these episodes of the Clone Wars that, honestly, I don't watch all that often because it, if I'm sitting down to watch the Clone Wars, it's because I'm sitting down to watch Maul. Like, honestly, I hate to say it. Or, or Ahsoka or the, you know, the Mortis arc, that, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, I know what I'm looking for when I sit down to watch the Clone Wars. So it's just been a real treat to go back and watch the stuff with Fives because, of course, I, I, I have seen it all. But on my revisits, I I'm a sucker. I'm just gonna go straight for the mall. You know me. Yeah. I, I so don't yeah, that should you. be a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. In the meantime, though, if anybody wants to leave us any feedback, we would certainly appreciate that. We need more iTunes reviews. So yeah, go on there, give us a rating and a review, and I would love to read it out on the podcast. Uh, if you say something nice, I'll give on here and read your kind, kind words and fangirl about how amazing you are. That would be really <laughs> awesome. We do leave a link in the show notes. Perfect. So yeah. So we really so... appreciate any uh, ratings and reviews you can write for us. Thanks. Absolutely. And of course we appreciate you just coming and listening in. It's always nice to have you. Uh, if you want to keep up with us, you can do so on Twitter at moon jockeys pod on Twitter. Um, take place in all of our polls, which is always a good time. Uh, you can also email us your thoughts at moonjockeyspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Brian, if people want to keep up with you, where can they do that? At Balls and Play on Twitter and Instagram. Very nice. And if people want to keep up with me, you can do that at Dameron on Twitter. Uh, goodness, I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again about the Clone Wars. Uh, but until then, just remember that the Force will be with you. Always.